All right, so today's uh, sermon as we're going through Proverbs together, one of the things that we're doing, if you're new here to Heights, is we're going through the Word of God in five years. And so um, one of the things that we've been going through right now is through the book of Proverbs. We read together as a congregation six days a week. And so this week we, uh, we read Proverbs 27 through 44. And uh, there was a lot there, a lot of different subjects, because we're in these uh, Proverbs that are pithy. They're little one-line, two-line Proverbs that, that go, and, and they're, they're seemingly unrelated to one another in many ways. A uh, number of different subjects that are talked about there, many of these written by King Solomon and others. Um, and I'll be honest with you, I was looking forward to this week. I was looking forward to this week, Right? Uh, title of the sermon is called When Men Do Nothing. This is not the sermon I wanted to do because I was looking forward to this week. I know Proverbs. I know what's all in there. I'll let me give you a little preview. We were going to talk about parenting. I was going to be so into it because there's so many things that we read this week, uh, not the least of which is Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. I was going to be all over all those passages, all the ones about discipline and, and unruly children. Parents would be like, yeah, preach it. I was going to do that. I was going to do it because I'm passionate about it. I was going to do it because I, I believe that it's a message that benefits the body of Christ. And the week dragged on and I was doing the videos for the, the, you know, the whole Proverbs and God just would not release me to do that sermon. I really wish he had. It would have been a great one. Instead, we get this sermon today. This is four pages. These are not notes. This is all scripture references. There will be no scripture references up there because I'm saving those people in the back from having to try and type all of this out. Um, we will be in the scriptures a lot today. Because the more I read the scriptures this week, the more convicted I got. As the week dragged on, there seemed to be a heaviness in my spirit concerning the things that I was reading. And quite frankly, very much mirroring what Roger talked about concerning our country and how things are in a much different place right now. If you would have told all of us two years ago, this is where we would be. And how things would be, none of us, I don't think, would believe, right? Couldn't see anything like this on the horizon. And I think the more we look back to it, it just astounds us, right? How quickly all of this has changed. And as we've read through the Proverbs this week, one of the things you will note is I've read all of the Proverbs, but the subject I'll be talking about today I did not cover at all or very little during the week Because the more I read it, the more I just realized how heavy it was on my heart. As a matter of fact, there was a heaviness not just on my heart. I remember Micah being over at the house on Thursday, and there was a heaviness on his heart, too. And it was just talking about, I can't explain it, you know. I can't explain exactly what it is. And it's not just a change of seasons. I know sometimes the change of seasons messes with people. But it's not just that. It's something more. 
And I think we all feel it, and making a voice to it is really, really hard. And so I don't know that today is going to be so much a sermon, uh, not that it's not going to be a sermon. I don't know what I would call this. Uh, Looking at the scriptures, revealing God's truth, letting God speak for himself, I don't know. I really don't. Have we come to a point in our culture where we can no longer state self-evident truths? So that's, that's the question that kept pondering my mind as I read the Proverbs this week. Have we come to a point in our culture where just speaking the truth in love is so offensive that we've been shut up from doing it? And, and by extension, kind of canceling out the very hope of Jesus Christ, we wish to give the culture that needs it so badly. Isaiah 5, starting in verse 18, it says this, Woe to those who draw sin along with cords of deceit and wickedness as with cart ropes. To those who say, let God hurry, let him hasten his work so we may see it. Let it approach, let it plan, uh, let the plan of the Holy One of Israel come so we may know it. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. Woe to those who are heroes at drinking wine and champion at mixing drinks, who acquit the guilty for a bride but denied justice to the innocent. Sounds a lot like many of the Proverbs we read this week, doesn't it? Romans chapter 1. Starting in verse 18, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all of ungodliness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. And although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over in sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lust. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust with one another. Men committed indecent acts with other men and received in, them, in themselves the due penalty for their perversion. Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not be done. 
They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless, And although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. Have we come to a point in our culture where we cannot state self-evident truths? Where we're calling evil good, good evil, And saying anything against that or even calling something wicked or wrong is so not acceptable in our culture that they would rather silence us and those who would say such things or even tell you that you are the one who is the oppressive one because you say such things. Have we come so far? Think about it. The Bible doesn't pull any punches. Didn't this whole week. And I kept looking at it. And I kept thinking about it. And I kept thinking, oh my goodness. Why are we not more vocal about the wicked things that are happening in our culture? Why do not we call them what it is? Evil, wrong, wicked, sinful. Because we just want to get along with everybody. We don't want to seem like the bad guy. We don't want to be judgmental. I'm trying to read all of this in context right here from Isaiah, from Romans. We're going to be reading a whole lot of these Proverbs today. None of them are politically correct. And yet you and I as believers in Christ, I can honestly say, as we have looked at how how our culture has been shaped here in America, and, and to a very real extent around the world, we have been pushed into silence concerning what is good And what is evil? We have been pushed into silence in boldly proclaiming the truth of God's word for the sake of not offending somebody who might hear. We want to save the relationship so we don't talk about the tough things. We don't want to say that that relative, that friend, that coworker, what they're doing is wrong. No, we say things like this. That's not my choice. You know, you, I, I, you want to do that? That's fine for you to do that. No, it's not. It's not. I look at our culture today and I think about how much we don't say as Christians and I keep thinking as I'm reading the Proverbs, oh my goodness. 
you and I as believers in Christ, in order for people to be saved, they have to know that they're lost. You realize that, right? And the only way that they can know that they're lost is to know that their actions are evil. I had to know my action was evil before I knew what good was. I had to know what the standard was that I had broken to find out that I had sinned against a holy God. Guys, we have 60 million abortions in this nation since 73. And this whole idea of we just don't want to rock the boat. We don't want to mess with anybody's mind or anything like that. Guys, that's an evil action. That's a sacrificing of a whole generation of people. Kevin DeYoung sent out a tweet, just a a great tweet earlier this week. I wish I could remember it verbatim, but he was basically saying, you know, when somebody miscarries at six weeks, at nine weeks, at three months, at four months, nobody throws a party for that. They're mourning. They're grieving. They know. Everyone knows. But we're not saying anything. Because we're afraid of hurting somebody's feelings. We now live in a state, in a culture, in a nation that allows biological men to go into biological women's restrooms. Because we won't say the self-evident thing that guys are not girls and girls are not guys. That they were created by God, male and female. And no, there's no spectrum. And I don't feel like one one day and the other day. You are what you are. That's it. Deal with the reality. Outside of that is perversion. And we've just allowed it. And we've just said it's okay. Or worried about what would happen if we said something or stood up for it. We see the agenda of the LGBTQ and we look at the word of God. And we look at the idea that men and women had had taken away have been taken away because they had blinded their eyes to God to do that which they ought not do with the same-sex bodies, period. It's wrong. It's wicked. That's not my word. That's God's word. It's evil. It's not a choice. It's a choice, but it's an evil choice. You want to see a generation change? Call it what it is. We're living in a country right now where there's no longer, I don't believe, if I asked you in this room, let's talk about justice for a moment. Do you think that there's equal justice under the law for everybody? Or do you think that there's some that are a little bit more equal than others? When was the last time you saw somebody of our political class punished? I don't care which side of the aisle you're on. Can such 
a nation endure? And can such a people who would withstand such ungodliness be called good? I have four pages here because there was so much concerning the wicked, the mocker, the evil in our society, and God pulls no punches in his word to call them exactly what they are. And so I'm going to let his word speak for itself from what we read this week. Proverbs, all of this is Proverbs, so I'm just going to give the reference from from here on out without saying Proverbs because you guys know it's Proverbs, right? Okay, good. We're good. A wicked man listens to evil lips. A liar pays attention to a malicious tongue, 17.4. 17.5, he who mocks the poor shows contempt for their maker. Whoever gloats over disaster will not go unpunished. Can I just tell you something? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take some time here and step away. Like I said, I don't know if this is a sermon. I don't know what this is. Maybe this is commentary. I don't know. I pray it's faithful because I'm just going to state what's here. Uh, there are people who are talking in the medical industry right now not trying to serve the vaccinated because they're unvaccinated. That flies in the face of what we're talking about here. Whoever gloats over disaster will go unpunished. Uh, they get what they deserve is really the idea that they're talking about. If you're in a medical field, you're serving people all the time who are getting what they deserve and you still serve them. To change your mind on one set of them has become an unrighteous judge. That's not your call. That's God's. If you're in that field, you get in that mindset, knock it off. If you post on Facebook, if you, if you have post, and I've seen, I've seen from other people who call themselves Christians posting on Facebook that I hope you get sick. If you're not vaccinated, I hope you get sick. How dare you? It flies in the face of what we're supposed to be as believers in Christ. 1711, an evil man is bent only on rebellion. A merciless official will be sent against him. 1713, if a man pays back evil for good, evil will never leave his house. 1715, acquitting the guilty and condemning the innocent. The Lord detests them both. Would you guys agree? We see a lot of that in our society today. Amen? 1720, a man of perverse heart does not prosper. He whose tongue is deceitful falls into trouble. 1723, a wicked man accepts a bribe in secret to pervert the course of justice. 1726, it is not good to punish an innocent man or to flog officials for their integrity. 183, when wickedness comes, so does contempt, and with shame comes disgrace. 185, It is not good to be partial to the wicked or to deprive the innocent of justice. 19.5, a false witness will not go unpunished. He who pours out lies will not go free. 19.9, a false witness will not go unpunished. He who pours out lies will perish. 19.28, a corrupt witness mocks at justice. And the mouth of the wicked gulps down evil. 2010, differing weights and differing measures, the Lord detests them both. 
2017, food gained by fraud tastes sweet to a man, but he ends up with a mouthful of gravel. 2023, the Lord detests differing weights and dishonest scales do not please him. 21.4, haughty eyes and a proud heart, the lamp of the wicked are sin. 21.6, a fortune made by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor and a deadly snare. 21.7, the violence of the wicked will drag them away for they refuse to do what is right. 21.8, the way of the guilty is devious but the conduct of the innocent is upright. 21.10, the wicked man craves evil. His neighbor gets no mercy from him. 21.24, the proud and arrogant man, mocker is his name. He behaves with overweening pride. Uh, can, I, can I just take a break for a moment? I, I would say to a very real extent, the social media uh, phenomenon that has hit our world has made mockers out of all of us, right? How many of you have seen those biting memes or maybe even posted biting memes in order to just prove a point, right? I just want to get this out there. Call somebody else dumb and stupid and whatnot. We have become such a mocking generation. We look at the comments section. We look at the destruction that is wrought by the way in which we talk and treat one another. I'm just telling you, nothing righteous is from that. I remember hearing somebody recently saying, I, I would love it if Facebook would just go back to posting about your family and posting about you know life things that are happening to you rather than all the junk that is out there right now, which everybody has to share their opinion because we've all become mockers one and all, haven't we? Or we've avoided it instead of, coming in and saying that's mocking, that's not cool. We just kept silent. Neither one of those things are good, by the way. seven. the sacrifice of the wicked is detestable. How much more so when brought with evil intent? eight. At 21.28, excuse me, a false witness will perish, and whoever listens to him will be destroyed forever. 21.9, golly, i got to get these references right. 21.29, a wicked man puts up a bold front, but an upright man gives thoughts to his ways. 22.5, in the paths of the wicked lie thorns and snares, but he who guards his soul stays far from them. 22.8, he who sows wickedness reaps trouble, and the rod of his fury will be destroyed. 22.16, he who oppresses the poor to increase his wealth and he who gives gifts to the rich, both come to poverty. There's more, we'll read that in a second. You know, what happens, right? Because I, I read these things and I think that you would agree with me. We see a lot of those traits of wickedness in our culture. Wouldn't you agree? And to a certain extent, yes, we could say that about any culture at any time. But the increase of wickedness that we have seen is really undeniable, isn't it? Really? Can, can we just be self-evident about this? Can we just say that it's not the same that it was even 10 years ago? I was here 10 years ago. I know how fast things have changed. I know what ministry was like 10 years ago when you could actually talk about sin. 
Now we're all trying to play nice. And what has happened? How do you feel? Do you feel that same oppression that I feel? The reading of the word of God juxtaposed with the culture moment that we're living in right now. And the weight of the world just seems to weigh on me as I see all of these things that are happening in our society that are dealing with people who I care about in the Lord, who have believed such lies and are doing such wicked and evil things. And yes, I said it. And no, I will not apologize because it's not my standard. It's his. My duty is to conform to the image of Christ as a believer in Jesus and to expose the wicked ways of this world that people might see Christ, be drawn to him, that he might have mercy on them, they may be saved. But I've been feeling it. The hope of my Savior diminished from this culture I've been feeling it. I think you have been too. If you really want to know the truth, I really do. I think you guys have been too. Think about what it says here as a juxtaposition of what happens when righteousness begins to prevail, right? Because I I don't think that we feel that righteousness is prevailing in our society right now. Would you guys agree with that? Can I, again, can I just state some self-evident truths here? 1925, flog a mocker and the simple will learn prudence. Rebuke a discerning man and he'll gain knowledge. 1929, penalties are prepared for mockers and beatings for the back of fools. 2030, blows and wounds cleanse away evil, beating purge the inmost being. 2021, when a mocker is punished, the simple gain wisdom. When a wise man is is instructed, he gets knowledge. Twenty two ten, drive out the mocker and out goes strife. Quarrels and insults are ended. And then back to twenty one fifteen. When justice is done, it brings joy to the righteous, but terror to evildoers. See, I think part of the reason we don't have a lot of joy is we, we don't see a lot of justice being happening right now, right? We see a lot of true injustice, not manufactured injustice, not injustice by a different name, but true injustice happening. And it wears on our soul because we see wicked and evil things happening and growing in our society. And you and I, as believers in Christ, are called to call these things out. We are. If we are to be a voice for God in this world, we have to call evil things evil so that people will know by the, which standard, which is his standard, by which we call them evil. So that they would know that there is no standard except God's standard. That we can't call good and evil good and evil without a moral law giver. We can't. 
Doesn't mean an atheist can't do good things, but they don't do good things for the sake of them being good because they have no way of making a definition of good and evil. Everything just kind of is. That's not the reality in which we're living. I'm living in a reality where there's very good things and there are very evil things. There are things that are praiseworthy and glorifying to God, and there are very evil things that bring disrepute to his name and the wrath of God upon humanity. That's why Jesus came to die. I find some of those things in me, and I wish it wasn't there. And I know that God is still in his grace and mercy working on and through me in those things that I would be conformed more and more to the image of Christ. But it's still me acknowledging the truthfulness of his word, the truthfulness of what he calls good and what he calls evil. And when I'm in the wrong, I've done the evil action. I haven't done the sinful action or the inconvenient action or I just messed up. I've done evil. Let me just say that real quick. When we mess up, when we sin, it is evil. It is wrong. It is against God. It is the reason why Jesus came and died. You and I minimize it, and we try to do it all the time for the sake of our feelings. I'm sick of dealing with our feelings. Our feelings are not reality. Christ is the reality. doesn't matter how you feel about it. And if you're doing any of these actions that I just talked about, not my word, you're dealing with him. He calls it wicked. He calls it evil. He calls it devious. He calls it rebellious. He calls it wrong. He calls it sin. And for you and I to minimize it is to minimize the sacrifice of Christ during your and my life. And a world who thinks that they're okay without Jesus will never see the depth of their sin and their need for Jesus. And right now, the world's pretty okay in their sin. Twenty-one, twenty-two. The righteous one takes notes of the house of the wicked and brings the wicked to ruin. Twenty-one, thirty. There is no wisdom, no insight, no plan that can succeed against the Lord. Can we say these things? I'm going to say some hard truths. I've been saying hard truths. Like I said, it's not the sermon I wanted. Parents, what are you doing with your children? Are you raising them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord? 
Parents, you're sending your kids to school right now to be discipled in places where they're going to be taught that being gay is normal. You can be whatever gender you want. We're going to send boys and girls locker rooms and girls and boys locker rooms. Can you really stand for that quietly? God calls that evil. What are we doing? Whose word reigns in our lives? Who do we know more about? Do we know more about God or the latest TV show we watched? Because guess what? Every TV show is pushing that same agenda. All of those evil things that you and I are just used to seeing. Can't even watch commercials anymore. Because the agenda is there. And the agenda is discipling us whether you believe it or not. And as long as you and I are quiet and not calling it for what it is, evil and wicked and wrong and sinful, and the reason for the judgment of God coming down that you and I are just as worthy of, except saved by the grace of Jesus Christ, this world will never bow their knee to Jesus until they see their need. The world does need hope. I agree 100%, but they need hope once they realize how hopeless they really are. And right now, I don't know that our society thinks that they're very hopeless. And you saying these things, the very things that I'm saying from this pulpit, will make you a villain in our culture, though you speak words of life. I don't say it to condemn. They're already condemned. That's not my word. That's the words of Christ. John 3, 18, which nobody quotes. We do 16 and 17 pretty good. They're already condemned. But they have to know that so they can recognize the grace of Jesus Christ in their life. What it means to be a follower of Christ. I'm so thankful that Roger gave, came, came up and did this because I had one of these too. Franklin Graham, God Loves You Tour. I agree. 100%. I love the fact. I would love as many of you to be able to be down there that you can that can be on Tuesday. If nothing else, praying for it, even if you can't go. And start praying for some courage to speak up on those things that are evil world around us like in the end God wins every knee will bow every tongue will confess in heaven on earth and under the earth that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father that's going to happen the difference is are they going to be doing it in celebration Or in regret. Are we willing to stake our life on the eternity that awaits us? You know, I think one of the great gifts that this particular time 
has afforded us is it has stripped away the glamour of our country. I'm thankful for that. Don't get me wrong. I love America. I really do. I love living here. I'm glad that God put me here. Acts 17, I'm here because this is where God was going to reach me. You're here because this is where God was going to reach you. Praise God for that. Praise God for that, sincerely. But this is not my home. This is not what Jesus promised me. That's the home I'm called to live for. That's the home you're called to live for. That's the home you're called to proclaim so that others can make their way there. And we can only do that when we are boldly exposing the truth, the wickedness of this world, and the redemption, and the good news that is found in Jesus Christ. There's no good news unless there's bad news. And the bad news is that we're condemned, rightfully so, by a holy God who sent his son to die on the cross for you and me. And only through the acknowledgement that Jesus is, that he conquered both sin and death, and that I'm a sinner, and that my response is to repent, to acknowledge Jesus as Lord, and to walk and follow him. Without doing those things, I'm not a believer in Christ. But if I do do those things, I have hope in a future. The good news of the gospel of Jesus. But it only happens when you and I start getting enough courage to say the self-evident things. Some of you have grandkids, children, parents, friends who need to know Jesus Christ because their actions and their lives are wicked. Not wrong, not mistaken, not harmful. They're wicked. They're evil in the sight of a holy God. They need to repent and they need to know the good news. And it may cause friction for us to proclaim the gospel of Jesus. My goodness, every single one of the disciples died died except for John who died in exile. This idea that it's not going to cost us anything and we can nice our way into the kingdom of heaven. I don't see it in the scripture. I'm not saying we should be mean, but I am saying we should be honest. Can we say the self-evident truths? You guys going to have the courage to say the self-evident truths? Are you guys going to stand up for the things that God wants you to stand up for? You going to make a difference and show what holiness and righteousness truly looks like that exalts Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Or are we just going to sit back and hope that God changes it in His own time? That's what I've been reading this week. I don't know what you guys have been reading. That's the conviction and heaviness that's on my heart. I keep thinking, how much more are we going to take? How much more are we going to accept? How much more are we going to be nice about? God's called us to be a holy people, not a nice people. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say be mean but that you're going to be called mean things even though you're doing the greatest of love for others that you want to share Christ with. 
start being brave enough to share those things. We're going to do something a little bit different here at the end. No elders are going to be up front, although there might be elders up front, but not for the same purpose that we normally do. This is going to be an open altar area for anybody who wants to come to pray for somebody that they know, somebody that they love. Maybe you want to pray for our nation. Maybe you want to pray for yourself for the courage that you need before God to start saying these self-evident truths so that we might proclaim the full gospel of Jesus Christ and people can see his gloriousness juxtaposed to their sinful, helpless selves. And the great thing that God has done through Jesus to offer hope and redemption for their life and our life through the acknowledgement of Christ and repentance of our sins, a turning away. That's what this time will be for when we finish today. I'm going to close in prayer. And any who wish to, I want you to just come up here and flood this place or even sit where you are and pray where you're at. And whenever you're done, I want you to feel free to walk right out the doors and not a big deal at all, sincerely. But I want us walking out of here as committed believers who are willing to say the self-evident things and realize that's the greatest love we can do for anybody by calling something that God calls evil, evil, because it's truth. Because we're not just calling them names, we're wanting to lead them to a savior who wants to change them forever. God, I want to thank you. I thank you for this time, dear Heavenly Father. I thank you for today. It had been so much easier to do the other message, Lord. But I know that's not what you wanted me to do. All I can say is I've tried to be obedient today. I pray for your spirit of God to give us courage. I really do. To start calling that which you call evil, evil, wrong, wicked, Let us not spare feelings for truth, dear Heavenly Father. Let us proclaim the truth in all of its glory because it leads to Jesus Christ. And so as we share the evil that may be happening in our culture, may we also hold out the good news of Jesus. Begin with us, Lord. Burden us. We're all in different areas. There's different things you're going to call each of us to do in order to stand up and proclaim truth to say the self-evident things. Give us courage, oh God, we need it so badly. I pray for family members. I pray for friends, dear Heavenly Father. I pray, pray for just our culture in general, Lord. I pray for our leaders, that they would be conformed and turned to the image of Jesus Christ. God, I just want to be your servant. I thank you. I thank you that I'm born in this time. 
I'm thank you. I'm, I'm born for this moment in time. And everybody here, you knew the times and exact places where we would be. We are here. We are equipped because you have placed us here, O oh God. And there's encouragement in that, O oh Lord. So help us and give us boldness to be the warriors you've called us to be for Christ in this moment, O oh Lord, so that we can make Jesus beautiful to the world around us. God, we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. This altar is open. I'm going to be here. All of you are welcome to come. And if you have nothing, or you want to just pray in your seat, please feel free to do that. And if there's nothing else, you guys may leave. But let's go and be the witnesses for Christ to a world who needs him desperately, unashamedly. In Jesus' name, God bless you.